Welcome to Big Boy Church. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Big Boy Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Chris Porter, joined alongside Pastor Nate Trawick, and we are having lighthearted conversations about topics that we think are important, and today we have a very important topic, one that may not seem important, but I think is of supreme importance and maybe supreme is too strong of an adjective but um, we are talking about today the lord's day we're talking about the christian sabbath we're talking about is it necessary is it biblical is it essential that christians go to church on sunday specifically is that biblical or is that just something we've made up here in our modern times but um so i'm live i'm live here at my house i'm live at a new studio that me and my son have built together it's the lego studio nate we have spent since christmas we're now here and i think it's january 22nd while we're recording this and me and my oldest son watson we have built i don't know close to eight or ten legos here and Mm. it is now the lego studio yeah, last time I was over at your house, I was admiring some of them and trying to keep my oldest son, Fletcher, from uh, going through and knocking them all off and breaking <laughs> them. <laughs> yeah, we just started the other day on an astronaut, a big old Ooh, astronaut. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So, man, we're having, a, we're having a good time doing that. But what's Nate up to? Adjusting to the data two life still. That's been the, the biggest thing. And um, just uh, hanging in there, right? Trying to... Just keep on keeping them. That is a different. That is a different life. Mm. There's for sure. You'd never be the same. Yeah, one of my best friends from high school uh, just told me he and his his wife were uh, are pregnant, and so um, when we were talking the other night, um, we were talking about do they want more down the road, all that kind of stuff, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I think we want two or three. I was like, I'm just going to let you know, two is not twice the work. It's like four times the work. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true for sure. Uh, So, Nate, let's ask a question before we get going. What's it? And you didn't know I was going to ask you this. So, what is a movie that Nate has watched lately that our listeners may not think Nate would like or be interested in? Mm. A movie that I have watched recently that our listeners may not like or may not know that I would be interested in it. Um, something you watch, uh, you're like, oh, I like this. I'll tell you, you, you usually like stuff, whatever. Uh, the best uh, TV movie thing, I guess I can say, that I've watched recently um, that I can actually give a more or less thumbs up to. Uh, It's one of the only shows I've seen recently that doesn't have a whole lot of language in it. Um, There is just a little bit of language. Um, But uh, it is All the Light We Cannot See on Netflix. Okay. Um, It is really, really good. It's about um, a Nazi uh, radio operator who's um, a young orphan boy who uh, essentially falls in love with a girl he hears on the radio. Uh, and about his journey to find her and all that. And it's a, it's a four-part series. Each episode's like an hour long. Um, but it's based on a book and uh, really, really good. Really good story. So That does not sound interesting at all. <laughs> Chris, it, it's so... That, I'm not a good salesperson, but it's really... It's good. Okay. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. I'll take your word for it. What about... What is Nate reading? Is he reading anything good these days? I'm about to start classes. Like tomorrow so okay i'll be reading a lot of books for school i kind of took christmas off of reading non-bible books because uh just been reading a lot for school and <laughs> needed some time just to not read um so uh, gotcha. i did read um before christmas break or kind of right at the beginning of christmas break um a book about the kingdom of god uh from the baptist perspective that was really 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 good you want to give um, us that um you can think of it or yeah i can't think of the name of the book it's in the car um but um it was very uh, impactful i can tell shut up (laughs) it was really (laughs) good um ah the name 
you're you're throwing me off, giving me questions that I was not prepared to answer. Okay, uh, I know. Just just seeing what you what you got in the what you got underneath the desk. Jeff Johnson, um, Kingdom. Uh, He's cheating now. I am cheating. Well, while you find it, let me give our listeners um, just an author that I have been very impressed by as of late, and I've not had the opportunity to read too many of his books. I've read a couple, and lately I've been enduring to read his autobiography, not auto, his biography on Jonathan Edwards. That's Ian Murray. Anything you find written by Ian Murray, I-A-N Murray, you will be glad that you read it. He is the trustee of the Banner of Truth and um, has worked Banner of Truth now he's retired, but he's a great um, author, a lot of biographies, a lot of just good Christian works that are kind of set in the 90s, early thousands. But just overall, just a great church historian, very encouraging. He writes for um, to be Christians to be inspired today from people of old. And anything you get your hands mm. on by Ian Murray, I would encourage you to do it. Mm. The Kingdom of God by Jeff Johnson. Name of the book. Oh, okay. There um, we go. It Name is a biblical theology of the covenants. And so basically goes into, um, as Baptist, um, gives a Baptist <laughs> argument for covenant theology and, and some of that. It's really, really good. Uh, I thought it'd be really encouraging, really helpful. So, All right. Very good. Well, let's get into our topic tonight, <clears throat> Nate. The Lord's Day. Hmm. So let's get right into it. In your thought process, in your examination of Scripture... Is there a mandate that the Christian here in the 21st century should go to a local church, a local assembly, on the Lord's Day on Sunday? Is there a biblical argument for it? Is there a biblical mandate, command? Hmm, Yeah, I would say so. Are you looking for a yes or no answer there? That's good. Okay. (laughs) All right. We're done. Well, folks, have a good night. Thanks for tuning in. Yes or no question. Appreciate your time. Yeah, no, I think I think so. I think when you look at um, just the Bible from beginning to end, and um, when you look at the whole picture of uh, what God has commanded of His people, um, going all the way back to the Garden, um, God commands for us to rest um, and to worship Him, and for one of those days to be especially focused on worshiping Him um, and resting in Him. Uh, you know, I think obviously in the Garden you have that. Um, Old Testament, Sabbath, uh, New Testament, um, you know, New Testament says very clearly that Christians are to assemble. Um, it doesn't only say that we're to assemble, but that we're not to forsake the assembly, um, that, uh, on the times when we do assemble, uh, we should do things like pray and sing and break bread, which is communion and, uh, hear the preached word and read the word. Um, and so I think there's just too much in the New Testament, um, that very clearly points to um, not just the uh, command to meet, but what to do to meet. And it puts too much of an emphasis on the gathering for us to be able to say as Christians in the 21st century uh, that I can be a Christian, uh, a faithful Christian, and not go to church, um, which is a common argument in our day. Um, and um, I think there's just too much there that is just screaming out of the New Testament of, you know, these are the things you do when you're together. Don't forsake gathering together. Um, so uh, I think there's there's just too much there to, to say that the New Testament leaves it open to where you couldn't gather as a Christian. Okay, so we got to get to that objection. I've heard that so many times in my mm-hmm. life. So we'll have to get to that objection. So Nate says it's, um, and I agree with you, there's plenty of biblical mandate to meet and have worship, go to a church and worship, and probably need to define what a church is for, for others. But is there a certain day, for instance, Nate, we've been on mission trips where Christians in certain parts of the world worship on a different day than what the day that we worship. Is that, I'm not saying it's like you lose your salvation, but is, is there a biblical reason or biblical principles or verses that point us to the day of the week that we should worship? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, just right offhand, there's all the examples in um, especially the book of Acts where you see that the church is gathered on what they're all of a sudden calling the Lord's Day, um, which uh, very clearly the church identified 
um, very early on um, that this day that they're calling the Lord's Day, which we know is Sunday, um, which we know is the day that Jesus rose, um, as the day on which Christians were to worship um, as a celebration of what Christ had done on the cross and in his resurrection. Um, and you go on down through the New Testament, um, and you, you see references to, um, like I said, especially in the book of Acts, worshiping and being gathered on the Lord's Day. Um, and then you get to Revelation, and John is on Patmos seemingly worshiping on the Lord's Day um, by himself, which, you know, that brings up a whole other can of worms. But um, John thought it was important, um, apparently, uh, to note that he was worshiping on the Lord's Day. Um, and so uh, I think there's a lot there for us to say pretty easily that um, is there a mandate to worship on the Lord's Day specifically? Um, not that I can think of right off, but there's definitely a lot of biblical principles there. Um, and just if you are a biblical thinker and if you um, are able to connect the dots, which I hope will help um, help you do if you haven't done that yet in this podcast, um, of what exactly is the gathering? What exactly is happening on Sunday morning when we come together to go to church? Um, from a historical perspective, um, what is the relation of that, for example, to what happened in the garden when God rested? Um, when you when you tie those dots and when you see as Christians why we worship um, and, and what work has been accomplished on our behalf, um, I think it just... The principle seems pretty clear that we are to worship on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday. So um, you're saying there's principles to worship for God's people on Sunday, but isn't the Sabbath day on a Saturday? Isn't that mm-hmm. the Sabbath day? Yeah, it's the Sabbath day, and that's the day in the Old Testament that um, the Jewish people would have rested. And, um, you know, as Pastor Chris Kersey preached a few Sundays ago about, you know, they would... Uh, come up with all their own rules and, uh, you know, extra regulations about what they could and couldn't do on top of what God had given them. Um, But again, I think pretty clearly once you get to the New Testament, um, not only do you have the example of the church, but um, you have Apostle and John who uh, recognizes the Lord's Day. And um, and just, again, the, the in my mind, the best argument for Sunday worship is understanding the connection between um, the rest that is commanded of God's people in the Old Testament and the rest that we have as Christians in the New Testament and on what day of the week those rests were accomplished or on what day of the week those rests were provided. Um, And so in the Old Testament, obviously, um, God works for seven days, rests on the seventh, commands his people to rest on the seventh as a memorial of his rest, of all that he had Mm -hmm. done, recognizing what he had done. Um, In the New Testament, um, we rest and worship on the first day. Why? Because Jesus rose on the first day. Um, And then we work out of that rest. Um, Our whole existence is defined by that rest. Um, And so as Christians, we get to worship on Sunday. um, And we should worship on Sunday. Uh, because it recognizes um, what our whole existence should be based and founded around, which is the work of Christ on the cross and in his resurrection. Okay. So let's get to that objection um, that we've heard so many times. Hmm. Uh, I can go to church. I can be a Christian and not go to church. Why? In fact, I worship God, you know, I can worship him in the deer stand, on the <laughs> lake, on the camper. I can worship him just as well there mm. as I can in a church building, in a sanctuary. Mm. So tell me I, why, why? Mm. What's, have you what's ever heard fa- that before? I have. And what's fascinating with that argument is I think um, in a lot of ways uh, what many Christians are doing unintentionally there is putting the cart before the horse. Um, because one day uh, we will have the opportunity as uh, new creatures in the new heaven and new earth to perfectly worship God every day of the week, always enjoying his creation. Um, and so I always have kind of thought that was funny uh, that 
Christians will say that because it's like, well, yeah, one day you will. Uh, but for now, God has commanded us to worship him on one day and to gather together on one day. Um, because we need each other, right? We, we need that community. We need, um, to be able to gather together to, um, I think about, uh, just in, in the purpose of singing songs, the importance of gathering together. Um, Paul says in Galatians as well as in Colossians that, um, when you gather, you're to sing songs to one another. Why? To encourage and build one another up. Um, you can't do that by yourself in the deer stand. Um, people want to say, well, I can listen to a sermon while I'm on the lake, or I can listen to a sermon from my camper, or I can watch a live stream from my house. Um, Mm. But none of those things can provide for the saint what fellowship in a church can provide Um, on multiple levels. And and we can get into those levels if you want to. But um, but yeah, I, I would say that my, my objection to the objection is that um, here and now uh, God has very explicitly said that we are to forsake not the assembling of ourselves. Um, and, and just on a baseline, are we going to be obedient to that? Forget what exactly happens at the gathering and all the benefits of that. Um, you can't assemble by yourself. <laughs> you mm, can't right. assemble with the saints by yourself. Um, not to mention all that that assembly does for the life of the Christian, um, and all that the Christian would miss out on if they don't participate in that gathering. Mm. Okay. Very good. So let's, um, let's talk a little bit about the benefits of the gathering. If we're saying to that person, mate, if we're having a conversation with the person, which I'm sure we've both had multiple opportunities to have that conversation. (laughs) I know I certainly have. What are the benefits of a Christian being at the gathering? So I think you've covered very well that it is a mandate in Hebrews 9, don't forsake the assembly of one another. It is the Lord's Day. The New Testament's clear about that. It, the Old Testament set it up. I think we still got a little bit to dive into of um, the middle of that, what Jesus did to, to truly you know get sure. where we are today. Yeah. Um, but so you've laid a beautiful biblical theology and foundation for that, I think. Mm. So if we've established that, if we're just thinking about the elements on a Sunday morning, you've talked about singing, that the encouragement that happens when you are confessing one to another, mm. singing to the Lord first, confessing one to another. What, what other elements come to mind as far as, uh, if we think of benefit to believers or, or um, you know, what, what, what other elements come to mind? Yeah, I mean, you, you say elements, and my mind immediately goes to uh, what we get to do this Sunday at church, and that's communion. Um, I don't know if you intentionally were throwing that word out there to lead me on or not, but... Um. I wasn't. I mean, I think of <laughs> elements, but that makes sense, you know, but yeah. I think of elements in a service. I kind of think what you list for, um, what the Bible tells us to do. Where So at Harvest, I mean, we you know, we like to kind of pride ourselves on, um, you know, the regulative principle, we think the Bible regulates what we yeah. can and cannot do at church. And so we're told to pray, we're mm. told to preach, mm. we're told to teach, we're told to have the Lord's Supper and to baptize, mm. uh, we're told to sing, mm. and so those are the things we do. Yeah, and so I think with that, you know, given the regulative principle um, and given the things that you just mentioned, um, what I was getting at a second ago with the Lord's Supper and communion, um the Lord's Supper in and of itself is a communal act. Um, uh, for those listening, by the way, I, I need to take the opportunity to say this. This is the second time that we have recorded this podcast. <laughs> this uh, is true. This is the second go at this conversation. Uh, and the first time, Chris, if I remember right, uh, you did a really good job in explaining um, communion and the importance of gathering um, and talking about the issues that Paul's addressing in First Corinthians, one of the main issues is that they're not waiting on each other. Um, and so if Christians are to take communion, um, given what Paul says in First Corinthians when he's talking to the church there, um, the church is to be gathered, um, and the benefit of that is they get to have communion with one another and with the Lord in that ordinance. Um, and in that... Uh, their sanctification, because communion is a means of grace. It's a way in which God sanctifies his people. Um, and so uh, not being a part of the gathering, the Christian misses that. 
Um, and contrary to what has become popular COVID belief, communion and, and baptism, for that matter, can't play can't take place outside of the church. I think you're um, kind of old school. I don't think you've caught up here lately. <laughs> There's this thing called a metaverse, meta, meta, mm. meta, metaverse, yeah, world right. verse. You metaverse. know, it's this whole world where yep. you can have an avatar mm. of yourself, and you can bat sure. your avatar and get baptized. He can go to church. Yeah. If if y'all um, haven't seen it, go and watch. There's a there's a short video on YouTube put out by the Associated Press. Um, you should just be able to search Metaverse Church Associated Press, and it's like a five or six minute video of uh, them talking about and interviewing people who, um, especially during COVID, were taking place in virtual reality church. And that's what we're referring to. But um, I mean, it's just it's I, I want to say comical, but it's really just sad um, that these people have you know thought that they can replace. What is, you know, just thinking about the Lord's Supper, right? What What is happening in the Lord's Supper? We are memorializing and celebrating the physical death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And yet, as a church, we've taken a step back and said, well, even though this is a physical celebration, we can, you know, we can do it virtually online, and we're just going to do it not gathered together, even though it's called communion. Like, <laughs> how are you supposed to commune with one another? And that kind of um, goes back to our previous podcast. Where we, you know, we talked about that in the Lord's Supper is communion, one with the Lord and two mm. with one another. Yeah. It's a commitment from the Lord to his people mm. and a commitment from people to one another in a local church. And so if you're not present there, mm. there's really no commitment one to another. Yeah. And it, and, and I would encourage somebody to go out and listen to that podcast where you point out thought very well. We're so individualistic in our day mm. that you know that um, we we're not called to that as Christians. We're mm. called to a community, a body. You know, um, God has no orphans. Mm. He's called every one of them to a body, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so, I think that's a great point. And I think just the element of preaching, mm. like what is happening in the act of preaching. Um, I think from the New Testament, it's clear that in the act of preaching. The Word of God is coming down from God. Hmm. His Word is coming down to the people. Hmm. And so I think something's actually happening. If you're listening to an audio sermon, which I love to do, hmm. I love to listen to sermons, but it's not the same as being there. Because I think being present, there's a vertical sense that's happening. from yep. It's coming down to you. And that's why, you know, um, churches... You know, um, mostly has a, a a podium. You know, a platform. Excuse me, a platform with a um, what do you call those wooden things on Pulpit. top of the platform? Pulpit. Yes. With wheels on Pulpits. the bottom of them, <laughs> <laughs> or that comes straight out of the yeah, like John MacArthur's platform. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pulpits. <laughs> you know, and it's to signify that act that God's word is coming down, mm. right? So. That's something that can't happen. Listening, you know, uh, making con, seeing those nonverbals of what's going on. So I think in that very element, right, and even prayer, um, it's not it's not the same when you're gathered with people, praying with people to the Lord. I think any not being there present misses the whole. Th- I think it misses Hebrews twelve completely. Hmm. I think Hebrews trails gives us a beautiful picture. Uh, taking us back to Mount Sinai in Exodus, where God's people were gathered at the holy mountain, but mm. couldn't touch the mountain. You're right, and Moses had ascended up and and to see the Lord and the glory of the Lord and get the word, you know, from the Lord and come down to the people. And the writer of Hebrews tells us that when God's people are gathered together, we ascend to the holy mountain. He says. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. and in a way, we ascend by the Spirit together, the Holy Spirit. We we come to the presence of the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's what happens in the assembly of God's people. That's why I think that moment when the church is gathered on the Lord's Day is a holy moment. It's an uncommon moment. That, that doesn't happen Monday through Saturday. Mm-hmm. That it's, that's common. Monday through Saturday are common. They're, um, you know, it's just it's just ordinary days. But Sunday, that is something uncommon that happens. That's a mm. holy moment every week in the Christian's life, and it should be, and it should be treated as such. No. You know, yeah. it, it should be treated as here we are. And Hebrews goes on to say, and I just encourage everybody to go read Hebrews twelve. What's going on when we gather together? Where we come to the holy mountain, we come to the presence of God with all of the saints, with all of the holy angels there in the presence of our Lord and God our Father. 
and uh, the Trinity's at work. The church is there to worship God um, yeah. and magnify Him and hear a word come from Him. So that is a an exalted heavenly moment every week in the Christian's life. Yeah. And um, I'm sad that so many Christians, one, those that go to church may probably don't think of it like that. Hmm. And those that who claim to be Christian that don't go to church don't even think about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think we're just missing out. Yeah, I think, you know, when we when we look at even, um, you know, just preaching in general um, and, and what happens in preaching is the Word of God is preached. Um, and the Word of God, uh, again, going back to what you said about um, Christianity being individualistic, um, people miss the fact that in Ephesians, when Paul says that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, um, they miss the fact that uh, what is being said there is not that Christianity is based on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, but the church is, um, and that the church um, has to be built on the foundation of the apostles' teaching. And Mm -hmm. if the apostles' teaching is not the foundation of the church. If, for example, um, singing uh, songs that are not about God at all, singing secular songs or um, singing songs that are about our emotions or our feelings is the foundation. If the whole foundation of the church is just an emotional experience, then we've missed it. Um, yeah, that's good. But um, as Christians, when we gather, if we gather, um, hopefully in a biblical church, hopefully our listeners uh, do that, hopefully at Harvest we're faithful to that end, um, we gather and we hear the word preached. Why? Because it's the foundation on which we do everything. Um, it's the foundation that's given to us by the apostles and prophets. So um, I think we miss that. And then uh, the, I think the last one that we haven't touched is baptism. And, and this might be an unpopular opinion. It might lead to us needing to do an episode on baptism. Um, but uh, what happens in baptism, uh, we, we believe at Harvest and um, is that in a lot of ways the church is is making a statement uh, to the world that this person confesses what we believe. Um, and if a person, right, if they're saying, to go back to the original question, if a person's saying, well, I can, I can sit in the deer stand and, and be a Christian, or I can go fishing and be a Christian, or I can uh, go camping on Sunday and be a Christian, um, a faithful Christian, I would say to them, you really can't because God has given this responsibility to the church, not just to share the gospel, but then to uh, examine the fruit of people who say that they believe what you believe, and then to, as a church, celebrate and identify this person as being a part of the kingdom of God in the ordinance of baptism. Yeah, and, and you can't be faithful as a Christian um, in your role as a local church member, um, which we're arguing for, um, unless you're taking part in those things. So um, let's talk about, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Let's talk about why that is. Hmm. Why, so in, in, in our immediate context, Nate, here hmm. in Banks County, where over 20,000 people, um, 80 plus percent claim to be Christian, less than 10% will go to church on a Sunday. Hmm. Why is that? And, and surely there's many reasons. Okay, I mean, there's numerous reasons, but what has the church? If we could, we don't want to shoot our own, but um, no friendly fire, but just trying to improve ourselves. What, where are we lacking here, right? Like, why is this lost? All right, so our 1833 uh, confession is very clear about the Lord's Day. Very clear that we are to worship on the Lord's Day, and I think we need to talk about what that means going. To church, and we talked about that, but also what the whole—it's a whole day. It's, it's supposed to be a whole day design, okay? Mm. I think, and so we we need to. I think we need to talk maybe some questions that arise that, and just practically how the Lord has gifted us that in our lives. I think we need to get to that and how it's a benefit just for the whole Christian life here on earth. What a benefit the Lord's day is—the church mm. when we gather, but also the rest of the day, okay? Mm. Like what what that is. We need to talk about that, but. How have we failed there? In my mind, it's it's when you talk about baptism and why so many baptized people do not go to church on Sunday in our context, 
I just can't help but think about the rest of the baptism mandate in Matthew 28. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to do all things that I commanded you. Hmm. You know, and what did Jesus do on the Sabbath day? He was in the synagogue. Hmm. That, you know, numerous places, that was his custom. Hmm. Right? And so... Um, and then you're talking about the teaching of the apostles. I mean, there is no, amazingly, there's no teaching in the New Testament against worshiping on the Lord's Day. You know, if that is something, if, if the fourth commandment in the Old Testament was done away with, if it was abolished, if it, you know, was no longer supposed to be held, if God's people aren't to assemble, you would think there would be a place where the New Testament was like, hey, you don't have to assemble anymore. <laughs> like, it's not a thing anymore, right? Yeah. But in fact, what you said earlier is it's the exact opposite. Hmm. There's all these Lord's Day references and examples in the book of Acts, and there's all this talk in the book of Hebrews, and, and there's a whole talk in the New Testament about being the church, and the, hmm. the, the term church means assembled ones. Yeah. Those who come together, the gather. <laughs> so... The very meaning of the word church is gathered, right? Mm. And we have so many people saying they're part of the church, but they don't gather. It's like, hey, I'm on the basketball team, but I never wear the jersey. I never even go to the games, mm. you know. So um, how do, you know, so where are we missing it there? Mm. Yeah, so I think to answer the question, there's a few different angles that I think we need to look at. I think, first of all, um, just from the church's perspective, uh, I think two major things are happening. I think, number one, um, as a church, uh, we are not faithfully embodying what the gathering is supposed to look like. And so you have truly regenerated people who are hungry for something and not finding it. Um, And they eventually just give up. I think that's uh, probably not the majority, but I think it's there. I think from my Are you talking about comments like I've heard of like, hey, I know churches for lost people, so I go to church just to pray for lost people? I'm that talking kind of more stuff? like comments like, hey, I'm looking for a church, um, but I'm not like, I, I can't find one that is that is faithful. I think there, there are people who would say that. Okay. Um, or they're looking for something more than what's out there. Um, and I'm not saying that's a valid excuse, um, but I'm saying that I think if the church would be faithful to do what God's called it to, um, that God's people who hear his voice would rejoice and would faithfully participate in the gathering. Um, if the gathering was what the gathering was supposed to be about. So what I'm saying is we've missed what the gathering is supposed to be about. We've made it about something else other than what it was intended to be about. And because of that, people who are truly Christians leave going, what in the world was that? Um, that was not church. <laughs> um, and so I'm not saying that's a valid argument not to participate. I'm not saying that's not a valid argument for those people to um, yeah, but Christians, give Christians up. should, if, if they can't find one, one, they should look for one. I would <clears throat> yeah, encourage absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you should find, if you're close enough to harvest and you're, you got that problem, come. But secondly, um, if you can't find one, you should find the nearest thing and, and help. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And and, um, and maybe that's can spur to that. I think the church has missed it that we have we have missed scripture. Like we've we've put the Bible in the wrong place. It's not the priority. Mm-hmm. I th- I think too many times we've come to the Bible as this book tells me how to go to heaven, which it does. Which you should say at this point that is why that's the main reason you should go to it. Right. I mean, you know, I'm preaching on John six this week in a huge part. Jesus is in a synagogue in Capernaum preaching and he's preaching to people in his synagogue. And these people are questioning him, you know, tell us what to do, Jesus. Tell us what to do to go to heaven. Jesus said, believe in me, believe in me. You search the scriptures thinking you find eternal life, but that's it's not it, believe in me. They, the scriptures point to me. And you know, his point is, there's going to the synagogue, going to the, the church is not. You can go week after week after week and hear sermon after sermon after sermon and give and give and go and go and and all those things, mm. and it's not going to get you into heaven. So it should be said, we're not talking about salvation here. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Um, you know, but at the same time, Jesus was in the synagogue. So mm. we, you know, so but I think we've just we we stop there. Mm. That once you yeah. understand John three sixteen which you should understand John 3, 16 <laughs> first, the Bible is, you can just leave the rest out, hmm. you know? And I just think, to your point earlier about fruit, is 
Um, fruit that you understand John 3.16 is that you desire to be a part of the body, right? First John 4, how can you say that you love God who you don't see when you don't love your brother who you mm. do see? Yeah. And by love, we mean not feel good about somebody or love. We're talking about love as commitment. That's mm. biblical love. And which is shown, we talk about being part of a local church. So it's hard for, in my mind, for somebody to say, I'm a Christian, but they're not a committed part of the local church. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think to add to that um, and to kind of build off what you're saying there, um, in terms of us with the Word of God not giving its right place, um, to, to kind of take that a step further, um, I think another way that the church has failed is we've given in to this trap uh, and, and a lot of churches have given into this mindset um, and seeded the ground of, I don't have to be there in person to be faithful. Mm, yeah. Um, and because of that, because we've seeded that ground, um, and it's why, by the way, I think uh, leadership of guys like MacArthur, like um, the guy in Canada that's with G3, um, I forget his name uh, right offhand, but... Um, several, several pastors, and, and I'm sure many pastors uh, who, were n- who weren't even in the news. Um, Doug Wilson, another example uh, of pastors who led their churches, even through uh, what uh, politicians and leaders were saying was absolutely essential not to be in groups, who led their churches to say, no, we're going to gather anyway because it's that important. Right. Um, <clears throat> I think the church is better off for uh, leadership are from leadership like that. Um, but so many churches, um, and, and pastors, and, um, I say this having struggled through it myself in COVID and, and COVID, I think both of us would say really stretched and shaped and molded and changed the way that we see the church. Um, but in COVID so many churches seeded the ground to say, well, you can sit at home in your PJs and be faithful. Right. And, and we can still do church and be church, but not be together. Right. Um, we redefine church in a yeah, real way. Yeah, yeah. And so when we did that, um, really, it just opened the door for um, all the more people to say, well, you know, that church down the road, they do an online service. And they say that people, you know, they can go and they can do this, that, and the other and be just, just show up online. And so, man, why... <laughs> I'll sit in my deer stand on Sunday morning. I'll come home Sunday afternoon, watch it online, and you know, write my check and move on with my week. And I've done my my due diligence, and so right, I'm right. good. But um, yeah, I think that's another way that we've failed. And I, I mean, do you have anything against maybe certain churches saying, "Hey, you know, let's just have Lord's gathering on Thursday night or Friday night or Saturday night"? Yeah, have I you mean, seen that kind of thing. I know that's the, a growing trend in in larger churches. Uh, we don't have enough space, so let's let's just move to a different night. Yeah, I think another service. It, it, if if it's a church that says, "Hey, our members," um, just in the context that we're in, for whatever reason, um, for instance, like in Nepal, um, on Sunday they work. They have to work. That's how their work week is scheduled. Um, they gather on Saturday. I have a lot less of a problem with that um, as long as the church, the whole church is gathered together on that day um, than I do with these churches who are saying, let's create another service on another night of the week to fit a niche group of people um, that is outside of the gathering and calling that the church. Because then all you're doing is you're creating another gathering, another church. Um, and then the church isn't together. It's not united. It's not able. It, it's it's the church is not the church unless the whole church is there. It doesn't mm. matter if um, Johnny's out in his deer stand or if half the church is meeting at another hour. Um, the church cannot be the church unless everyone's there to worship. That's what Paul's saying to the church in Corinth. He's saying you got to wait on each other to do this. You can't just go on and do whatever you want to do um, and then leave out all these other people um, because you're not gathered together. You're not truly the hmm. church unless you're doing it together. And so, um, you know, I think that's another way that just contextually, and I, and I think it's sad because I think there's so many pastors today who do things like that with 
the best intentions, right? They, and and they, they, they do that. Man, I just want to reach these people, people who work on Sunday, people who, um, you know, have families and do all this other stuff, and Sunday's just not good for them. Or, um, man, these families who like to go camping, I just want to be able to reach them. And and and, and I would say, dear friend, if that's you, that's, that's a very, very good desire, a very, very pure desire. Um, but how much more effective could our ministry be if instead of dividing the church, we did what the Great Commission tells us to do and teach our people all that the God, all that the Bible has commanded them to do. And part of that is to gather and assemble with the body of Christ on the Lord's day and worship him. So, um, yeah, that's, that's that. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Very good. Well, anything else to add to our conversation tonight? Anything, I, I think there's a lot to add to our conversation tonight. Okay. I think, I think, you know, on the flip side of that coin, um, we've talked about what the church has done, um, but I think, and, and this is a result of what the church has done, um, but addressing some of the individual mindsets of of people, um, such as, um, you know the mindset like we've been talking about of, Oh, I can worship by myself. I've got my own Bible. Um, I don't need a church. Um, and and we've, we've touched on it a little bit. Um, but to those people, just in summary, what would you say to that person? Why do I need a church? And, And why do I need to be a faithful in person part of that local church on the Lord's day? Hmm. <clears throat> I think from a practical standpoint, you know, I think it was Spurgeon that was asked a similar question one time, or, you know, if this didn't really happen, it should have happened kind of story, you know, like if it's not true, it should have been true. Um, you know, he's, he's close to a fire. A- every good Christian preacher story has Spurgeon in it if it's not true, you know, because it would be cool if he did it. But um, he was asked a similar question, you know, why should I go to church? And he uh, he's by a fire, and um, I-, I imagine Spurgeon looks sim- very similar to you, Nate, and he's by this fireplace, and he, he takes uh, a stick that's in the fire, and he goes, you see that stick there, and it's glowing, it's burning, and he, and he just kicks it out of the fire. Hmm. He just kicks it out. And they kind of watch it for a little bit, and uh, he goes, there's my answer. Hmm. Right? I mean, it's going to go out, right? The fire's going to stop. Hmm. And it, it's, it's the simple nature of what I think we were talking about earlier. One, it's commanded, but two what the Lord does when you're around similar people. Um, it, it, there's something that happens, right? And there, there's a reason that baptism can't happen in, the, in an avatar lab because you can't feel the water. And I mean that. Um, mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's a certain reason why communion can't happen at home, truly, because you, you can't serve people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you don't get to touch people. You don't get to see people, hear people, <clears throat> and and by that I mean there's the God. He calls us to faith. He mm. calls us to believe. Okay, um, to believe what we can't see and to trust. And faith is the evidence of things hoped for. You know, and yes, but at the same time, He knows that our faith is frail. He He you know it, it's it's the idea of. Father, I believe, but help my unbelief. God knows that in all of us and in his people that we need to touch, okay? And so I think what's beautiful about baptism is you get to touch the water. You get to see it. But for the one being baptized, you you feel the water. And if you're baptized, you feel the water. The Lord's Supper, the continuation uh, ordinance, you know, you you eat the bread. You drink the wine. you, You taste it. There's a promise in that sensation that the Lord is saying, this is my promise to you. This is my grace to you. And you feel it. I know you believe it, but I'm trying to encourage your your unbelief, your Mm. faith, in the very act of touching and seeing and hearing that just can't happen over a screen or over audio. Mm. Um, It can only happen in person. And you're missing out on God's encouragement in these mm. normal means of grace. It's what mm. they are. Normal. God has ordained these things to encourage you, to embolden your faith, 
um, so that you can serve and glorify Him. And you're in disobedience for one. Two, you're just missing out on God's love for you. Mm. Um, and, and some of my mindset changed here, Nate, I think. Um, and it's a theology shift, too, that um, preaching through the book of Hebrews uh, at a time, especially Hebrews chapter 10, Right, um, he's Hebrews ten. I'm gonna just say, if, if somebody, you know, you, you, you just need to read that ever so often, okay, in your Christian journey, right? And it, there's a there's a fear that comes when you read Hebrews ten. The writer of Hebrews is writing to Christians, right? And in you know, he's saying, um, you better hold on to the Lord, or it could come down to the day that, um, you know, you could fall away, and I. Listen, I believe in the words of Christ that um, all that the Father has given him cannot be taken away. There's security for the believer, okay? Um, but there's an active fight in that, okay? Like, there, there's a real chance. I think you got to balance this as a Christian, that if I'm a, a believer, if I've been born again, nothing can take me out of his hands. There's nothing that can separate me from the love of God. Right, mm. I mean Romans eight, John six. I mean, but you got to hold it. We talked about this earlier. It takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian, right, Nate? Mm. So you got to balance that security passages with Hebrews six and Hebrews ten, um, and First John that all say, if you leave Jesus, if you deny the gospel, there's a real chance that you can do that. You claim to be a Christian today, Nate, and I do. But tomorrow, there's a chance that you would forsake the gospel. There's plenty of big name preachers and Christians in our day, Nate, and we wouldn't have. There's a lot of names who are on TV preaching solid, reformed, biblical guys. Okay, who years later say, "I don't believe the gospel at all. I believe it's false." Okay, they're they're out there. They're easy to find. Some of them will. You can pay them two hundred and seventy bucks, and they'll deconstruct your faith for you. Hmm. Okay, I mean they're there. It's it's thing, and that's a possibility for all believers, all confessing believers today. Yeah, and so you got to hold that in balance. Okay, and the way that God continues to sanctify you and hold you in His hand is by these normal means of grace. Hmm. That's you know that's why Hebrews nine happened before Hebrews ten. Don't forsake the assembly, hmm. so that don't happen, right? So um, th- that just I don't. There's a lot more to be said there, but that changed my thought as a what the job of a pastor is. Not only is our job to present the gospel to the lost, to do the work of the evangelist, we are to do that, but we are also to preach the gospel weekly to our members to one another, to confess it to one another. And and that is the Holy Spirit. That is God that happens in that gathering. That is us. That is Him keeping us. Hmm. Um, And so I just want to say to the Christian who is not attending church faithfully and committed to a local church, you're in danger, friend. Hmm. You're in real danger of hellfire. And um, it's in Hebrews 10 ends, it's it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. Hmm. Right, and we've got to have that back in our pulpits. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think to to add to that, <clears throat> if if one could even do that, um, I think there's a mindset that so many people have, um, and, and it might not be an intentional mindset. It's it's probably likely um, a very unintentional mindset, at least at first. Um, but where they look at their calendar, they look at their schedule. Um, and they look at Sunday and go, this is my day. Um, especially right. in our culture. Um, they, they look if at I that. If I don't have anything else to do, I'm my yeah, church. Yeah. And, you know, Matthew 12, Jesus says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, right? And uh, we, we talked about in the first attempt at this recording uh, about how um, in John 6, or I'm sorry, rather in John 5, and throughout the Gospels, that Jesus does things on the Sabbath and basically says, I'm God, I can do it. <laughs> you know, I, I, and Matthew 12 culminates that. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm not, just, I'm not just the Lord. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the one who gave you this. I'm the one who told you what to do on this day. 
Um, and then when you think about, um, to get back to kind of what we were talking about, about what happens in the Gospels, what happens in the middle, right, between um, what happens in the Garden and, and now when we have the Lord's Day. And why do we even call it the Lord's Day? Well, we call it the Lord's Day because our Lord died on a cross so that our sins could be forgiven, um, so that we could be reunited and reconciled to our Creator who made us and who we actively rebel against every single day, um, including, by the which, not wanting to worship Him. Um, and I think that's something that, that we forget about is that um, Adam's sin, first and foremost, and ultimately, was he didn't want to worship God. Um, and so many so-called Christians today one of their biggest gripes with church is, well, I don't want to go to church because, you know, I got other things to do. Dear friend, as a Christian, you have nothing else to do but to worship the Lord, who has reconciled him to himself, reconciled you to himself, so that you can worship him forever. The, the point of a Christian is not to live, uh, you know, like the world and to say that I'm going to make the most of this life now, right? It's not uh, YOLO, uh, to use the, the slang from when I was in high school, uh, should not be the, the mindset of the Christian, um, other than the fact that you do only live once, you only get one chance at this life on earth, and you should live it for the Lord, because He has reconciled you and given you the new life that you enjoy if you say you're a Christian, um, and because of that, you should worship Him. Um, and, and dear friend, if you're listening to this and, and you are um, not submitting to that. And if you're not worshiping God on Sunday, um, I would really want to challenge you to look at chart and say, do you ever worship God? Um, and, and I think that's the ultimate question that um, a lot of people have to get to is, um, you know, if you're, if you're one of those Christians who say, well, you know, I don't need to go to church on Sunday because I can worship him from a deer stand. Dear friend, are you, are you worship? Are you actually worshiping God those other times during the week? And, and if you are, then obviously, you know, go back to all of everything else that we've said. And I hope that you see that you can't ultimately be totally a totally faithful Christian unless you do gather and unless you do partake in part of the assembly. Um, but as Christians, we are called to be worshipers. And we're called to be worshipers because we were dead and now we've been made alive. Um, and it's our job to take that life. And especially the least we can do, right? Take one day and, and just devote it to worshiping our Lord. I think if we're, if we're claiming to be Christians and we're unwilling to come to that conclusion where, where we can just say, you know what, I'm going to take this one day of my week, I'm going to set it aside and I'm going to give it to God because he deserves it because he, uh, that's the least he deserves, right? It's just one day, but I'm going to give him every day, but especially I'm going to give him this one day um, and devote it to, to just really worshiping him um, and being faithful to gather with fellow believers and be encouraged in his word um, and, and just to uh, take part in the gathering there. Um, that's the least we can do. Don't you think? Yeah, and, and I think if the Christian needs to see the practical help that the Lord has given them in their day, I think this is a big word for Christians today. When you prioritize the Lord's Day on Sunday and you, you see what that day is all about, it's a day of rest. It's a day of rest. I mean, Exodus 20, the Sabbath in the Old Testament was a day when you didn't labor. You rested from your work. And it wasn't. it's not just about one day. It's about every day of the week. Christians on the Lord's Day, that pattern still exists for us. Mm. We should work so hard Monday through Saturday. We should get everything done that needs to be done so that on Saturday, on Sunday we can rest. That that was what that's what the Sabbath was about, right? Mm. For six days you shall work, and on the seventh you shall rest. And we flip that in the Christian life you were talking about early. We start off with rest, mm. and we work out of that rest. And so, because of the celebration we have in the gospel, that's in the rest that we find in Christ on mm. Sunday. Which, of course, is not to say that we don't have that rest every day, because Christian has entered into this rest where we are no longer attempting to justify ourselves or earn God's love, because mm. it's it's a gift given to us by God by what He's done in His Son in the gospel. So we from that rest that we get every day, but especially on the Lord's Day, when we meditate on that, we worship the Lord, and we rest. We are unburdened by all the other tasks that we have to do, all the to-do lists that we have to do. We're to put that aside 
hmm. and and not do it and pick it up on Monday and start <laughs> afresh. Um, I think that's revolutionary today. And I think if you order your life like God has instructed the Christian to order their life to where on Sunday you rest, you celebrate, you relax, you don't hmm. work, you put all your to-dos down, and you pick them up on Monday morning, and you work hard Monday to Saturday because of what God has done for you. That would revolutionary, I think, most Christians' life. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, you know, just to think about that rest and um, enjoying that rest, I think about how many Christians I've talked to um, that just seem not to enjoy church. Um, they don't enjoy, uh, you know, whether it's I don't like singing or... You know, it's just such a hassle for me to get out of bed and get the kids out of the house and all this other stuff. Um, and I think and about... that's true. It is. It, no, absolutely it is. It absolutely is. But then I think about... Um, I Stand Amazed in the Present, the song we sang Sunday, and I, I even pointed it out on Sunday when we sang it. The last verse of I Stand Amazed is, It will be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me. Um, and, and what that means and, and the rest that is found in that. Um, and, and again, just the question I think we have to ask ourselves is, is it really your joy to sing of the love that God has for you? Um, and, and do you realize, um, you know, it's been often said, if, if you don't enjoy church now, you're certainly not going to enjoy heaven. Well, I, I, amen, absolutely. I agree with that statement 100%. Um, because be the church you go to <laughs> <laughs> for real, but you know, as Christians, you know, if, if our life is not built around, uh, worshiping, um, in this rest that we have worshiping our creator, um, because he has given us rest, um, you know, th- there's, there, there's no way that you're going to enjoy eternity because I would really want to argue that if you don't enjoy worshiping in that rest, you've never experienced it. Um, because and some of that comes from even understanding why the Sabbath went from Saturday to Sunday. Yeah. So, it, and I think this is a huge point in John's gospel that I'm discovering mm-hmm. as we're preaching through and going through it. Um, because when you read, it's funny when you get reading to, to preach through something, you read it and you study it, but then you start to preach it, you just go to a whole different level of study. Mm. and diving into it. And one of the things I've discovered in diving into a little deeper is John's pretty clear. Jesus changes everything. Yeah. Like, when Jesus came, it's a new creation. When the king brought the kingdom 2,000 years ago, mm. he fundamentally changed the world. Mm. Time of all, our time dates around it, but just the world changed. Mm. Okay? he The king, it was a new creation. And we look forward to a total new creation one day mm-hmm. when physically is transformed into any, you know, a new heaven and new earth. That's the Christian hope. But when he came, he spiritually, fundamentally, religious, he changed everything. Mm-hmm. You know, he fulfilled all of the old Testament. It all, all of that was the shadow. Hebrew says in Galatians, all of it was a taskmaster <laughs> task. I'll get that out in a minute. Taskmaster to point us to him. He mm-hmm. fulfilled all of that. Mm. And it, it it's different now. It's mm. different because of what he did. When he comes and says, I'm Lord of the Sabbath, I'm this is changing. I'm fulfilling this. Yeah. You find rest in me. That rest that was given to you then, I'm really that rest. That rest is me. That manna was me. All of that is mm. truly me. So now it's different. Mm. And so the um those who have faith in the Lord, their experience is different because of the coming of Christ. And so I think so many things are different because of his exaltation. So many things are different because of the ascension of the Lord, the resurrection of the Lord. The world is, is changed. Um, he changed. He changed it completely. And part of that change is going from the Lord's Day being on Saturday to uh, the Sabbath to Saturday to Sunday because he... He makes his people new creations. Um, and like I said, he, when he came, he fundamentally changed the world. Yeah, that's good. The Lord, that's I good. mean, the, the Lord's Supper. I mean, you just think about it. I mean, these people are like Sabbatarians, man. Like, that's what they do. They do things right on the Sabbath. And he walks up. He's healing. He's, he's intentionally trying to make people mad. About what he's doing. On, he's eating stuff. He's not, I mean, and he's not disobeying God's law. But he's disobeying their man-made laws. 
just to point out that, hey, I'm fulfilling this, and I'm Lord of the Sabbath. It points to me. Hey, he goes to the Lord's Supper, the holiest supper, you know, um, you, you, you talk so well about that in your last sermon uh, to begin John 6 about the bread of life and the, um, you know, the, this Passover dinner. Jesus said, yeah, that's my blood. That's my body that that lamb pointed to. I am the lamb of God. So now it's different. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, he just changed it all. I mean, it's synagogue to the church. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's all of that pointed to what we have now. Yeah. You know. That's awesome. And uh, I think, you know, just in thinking about the Lord's Day, um, I have become an advocate for calling it the Lord's Day. I was hesitant at first when we started Harvest, uh, but um, I was talking to a good buddy, Carson Hall, about um, just Sundays and um, church and uh, all that. And uh, he made this statement when he said it, it really like kind of clicked in my head because we put Lord's Day on our bulletin and, um, you know, we, we don't say Sunday on our bulletin and, uh, you know, that's, that's intentional. Um, but, um, when, when he said what he said about that, um, it really clicked in my head. And what he said was, is he said, I love that you guys call it the Lord's Day because it really brings to mind and forces us to realize that it is the Lord's day. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. And it's, it's just not, biblical to say that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and he said, you know, Sunday, cool. But like as Christians, like we should call it the Lord's day. Right. Because like it is the Lord's day, right? Like that's you what. Know, and, and, and just, you know, just to think about <clears throat> church history in the last hundred years, this has changed. Right. Um, when they started playing in the 50s, when NFL started to be played on Sunday, that was a big deal because people didn't think they would ever watch football on Sundays because that's the Lord's Day. Nobody's going to watch football on Sunday because people, that's the Lord's Day. Well, now, I mean, most people would rather watch football than go to church. <laughs> you know, I mean, so you think about, uh, you know, 80 years ago when they didn't think a professional um athletic event would prosper because it's on the Lord's day mm. till today. That mean that conversation would never happen. Mm. That would never come up. And so one of the things that shifted, I mean, in our, we're talking about our confession, 1833 about Lord's supper. I mean, all of church history up until the last 50 to 80 years, the Lord's, this is, has been a important doctrine and mm. assumed doctrine in the church. And it is now a lost doctrine. Yeah. And then you take it to our day, and not just is NFL being played on Sunday, but I remember when uh, Amazon first came onto the scene and announced they were going to start delivering packages on Sunday, and almost nobody batted an eye. Uh, nobody wow. thought about it. And now, uh, this, uh, just a Sunday afternoon, I was uh, coming home from church, and um, was hanging out around the house, and I looked out the window, and what do I see drive by the house? A FedEx truck. So now, not even just Amazon, but FedEx, UPS, and um, you know, all those guys delivering mail out working on Sunday and um, those companies keeping them from from being a part of a church. So, um, you know, our culture really is shifting into a place where um, Sundays are just another day of the week, another day to make a dollar. Um, well, here's but, the good news. Um, that's how it was when the church started. Yeah, it was. The Roman Empire worked seven days a week. There was no off mm-hmm. days. And um, they transformed the world. God, like mm-hmm. God, Jesus changed the world. They took his teachings. They took what the early church did, and it fundamentally changed the world in mm-hmm. a couple hundred years. And we're in a dark time. We're in a dark spot when it comes to that. Um, we're in it, and it, it is much like um, medieval days. It's a religious day, or where we are is religious. You know, we're not in the buckle of the Bible Belt, but we're close to it, where everybody's religious. Banks County voted red more than just about any place in the nation in the last couple elections. Um, and by, you know, that's a whole different conversation. Conservative means religious, you know. But, so that's where we are. But it, much like the medieval era, and the Reformation was mostly a fundamental change in worship. Mm. And I think that's what we need in our day. Are people preaching false gospels? Sure they are. But more than that, 
what I think is is going to lead to more false doctrine and false preaching. One is is no no care for theology such as this, mm. no care for secondary and um, you know third dairy issues. I don't think third dairy is a word, but you know what I'm trying to say. Mm. Uh, next level, no care for those things at all, right? If we just preach mm. Christ crucified, and hopefully if they do preach that, but then that's kind of it. The rest of the things don't matter. But if we just stay there and we don't preach the whole Bible, the whole counsel, that's what Paul said. I, I labored to give you the whole counsel of the Lord. If we don't get to that, the cross will be lost. Mm. Christ crucified will be lost very soon. That's my concern. So I think we need a reformation of worship again in our day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. That's what we're trying to do, man. Let's be a part of it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So what's next, Chris? Where are we, where are we going after this? Where do you want to head? Um, we had some encouragement from our elders to do one on church membership. Mm. So maybe that one? Sounds good. We've got me. a bunch in the we got a bunch in the a bunch of requests. All I'm saying is it's come up a lot and we've joked about doing it. So we need to build up to it and do something big for this episode. But uh, we need to do an eschatology episode because <laughs> seems Why like we do al- that? we always get there. I mean, it kind of always like you talking about the kingdom is here, right? Like I'm sitting here like, man, like why you won't do that? Why do Why do I want to do it? Because it'd be fun. It'd be <laughs> fun. <laughs> it'd be fun. Oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, that sounds fun to me. Not saying we got to do it next time, but eventually. Okay. Need to get All there. Right. All right. Well, let's put it in the queue somewhere. In the queue. Way down the list. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was fun. It was. It was. And uh, thank you Go guys to for church. listening. Yeah. Go to church. <laughs> and know why. And, and have high expectations. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for listening. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. And we'll be back in two weeks with another episode. All right. Thanks, Nate. Yeah, see what do I hit now? The red button? Uh, sure. Are you sure? Thank you for listening to the Big Boy Church podcast. Big Boy Church is a ministry of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, you can check out our website at harvestbc.church. You can also email us at contact.harvestbc at gmail.com. We hope to have you back next time for another episode of Big Boy Church.